you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Okay, so uh, this week we are uh, we are uh, deep in the in the details. <laughs> we we have arrived at the detail heavy section of the Torah. We arrived there last week with Parsha Truma, and I you know I always feel like there's a real transition when we get to Parsha Truma in our in 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 the reading that the Torah is asking of us. Now, when we get to Parshat, okay, so there's Genesis, and Genesis is just a joy to read, right? Like that's that's just it's just a it's just great great storytelling. And then the the same with Exodus. We continue with Exodus with half of Exodus, and then I always say when we get to Parshat Mishpatim after the Revelation of Mount Sinai, the Revelation of Mount Sinai is like the last. Um, the last bit of sort of uninterrupted narrative. And then when we get to Parshat Mishpatim, things start to get a little dense. And Mishpatim means laws. And so we that's 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 what we get. We get a dense catalog of laws. And that is an adjustment. And I always think it's a challenge because you know, stories are so um, joyous and easy to read and then to transition into law is is requires us to be um um reading more uh, uh carefully and precisely and um and less taken along by the narrative okay so that's a transition um and that's parshat mishpatim but the truth is it is the um the next parsha parshat truma where the challenge to the reader really becomes severe, I think, because Parsha Truma begins to detail the construction of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, and it's very detail heavy. I mean, we say this every single year, we get to it, and I, you know, I can't tell you how many B'nai Mitzvah students I've had who described the, who, who happened to land Parsha Truma, who described it as um, and it, it, this has become almost like the classic reference point, an IKEA instruction manual. That's like what everybody says. And it's and it's true. Any of us who have seen that stuff, it, it, that's what it feels like. And the point of of the of the um of the of the reference is to say nobody wants to read an IKEA instruction manual, you know? And so there's a challenge. Now <laughs> it's our most sacred book, and we rise to the challenge. And of course, we find interesting things to say in, in, about even 
the most granular details in the Torah. In some ways, that is that is the the lesson is that you know anything can be fascinating if we pay close enough attention. But having said all that, um, we are certainly in the detail-heavy section of the Torah. We started that last week, and this week it continues with more details. Maybe more interesting if you are a fashion person, because here the details have to do with um, embroidery and stitching rather than um, uh, uh, constru construction. Um, we are detailing the garments of the high priest. Um, so we have a tabernacle, and then we have someone who's going to work in the tabernacle. All these things are being mapped out. But it's still very, very detail heavy. And um, aside from the, the flourish of colors, it again presents the reader with a challenge. It's not such um, page turning reading. And yet, and yet, for all of that, someone um, once claimed that the most important line in the entire Torah is in this week's Parsha. Okay, so um, I'll leave you to speculate a little bit what that is, um, and um, and but but the real question is how could that be? What 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 verse is 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 hanging around these um, instruction manual style uh, chapters that might be claimed as the as the most Im important, the most the most central line in in the Torah? Okay, so let's. Let's take a look, and um, and we'll get we'll get started. Um, but we'll get in. We're, we're going to take some time now to look at a very um, classic, uh, but very strange debate that I always think of when I get to this uh, this week's parsha. The truth is, I think of it when I get to Parshat Kedoshim, because the debate really begins, um, really begins more famously in response to a much more uh, celebrated verse, and we'll see that um, as well. So um, let's take a blessing here and uh, and we'll 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 get into our 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 debate for today. Okay, so that blessing is for those of us who haven't had a chance to say say it yet. We're just getting to study Torah for the first time today, so we say a blessing over over Torah study. Okay, so let's take a look here. Um, we are um, uh, now well into uh, Exodus, but um, let's turn back uh, for a moment or, or, or as we begin this, this strange conversation, what is the most important line in the Torah? This strange conversation begins by taking us back to Genesis. And I say, what is the most important line in the Torah? But that's not exactly the language that the rabbis use in the Midrash. Um, the language that they use is, um, is a klal gadol, klal gadol, which means the big principle, or the as it's translated here, the central tenant. What is the central tenant of the Torah? And I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I would love to hear some of your... Um, responses to that question. Here, let's just take the first rabbinic response and then we'll see what kind of game we're in and we'll see if anyone else has some answers. Okay, so here's here's the, here's the, let's see, let me make this a little bigger. Okay. All right. Um, this is from Bereshit Rabbah, 
um, the, uh, the, 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 the great Midrash on, on the book of Genesis. And it starts with Ben-Azai, okay? One of, the, one of the great sages of the Mishnah, Ben-Azai. Ben-Azai Omer, Ze Sefer Toldot Adam. This is the book of the descendants or the legacies or the stories of Adam, of humanity. Ze Klal Gadol Batorah. This is the big principle of the Torah. Oh, and I've spaced it wrong here. Rabbi Akiva is about to disagree. And this is Rabbi Akiva. Now, the truth is, even this first statement, this is the book of the descendants of Adam. Why would that be the central tenant of the Torah? Okay, so that's one question. Why, why um, this is the book of the descendants of, of, of humanity? Okay, it's a big... It's sort of like a big um, um, uh, headline kind of uh, uh, phrase, but is it the is it is it a central tenant? In what way is it a central tenant? Um, okay, but just that's such a strange question that let's let's take the more um, the more intuitive answer and take a look at Rabbi Akiva's disagreement here. Rabbi Akiva says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself." That is the central tenant of the Torah. Now, he goes on to explain, but that, before he even explains, you can feel like, oh, okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the central principle, the central tenant of the Torah. Now, that makes sense. That seems like that could be a whole philosophy. In fact, when a, when a, um, convert, uh, potential convert goes before Hillel and says, teach me the entire Torah on one foot, Hillel almost quotes this. And he says, so quotes the inverse. What, what is hateful to you, don't do to your fellow, right? Some version of the golden rule here is the great principle of the Torah. Okay, let's just like, well, well, we'll 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 take we'll finish the thought and see what what Rabbi Akiva says here in explanation. But why is this the central tenant in the Torah? It teaches that you should not say, "Well, since I have been disparaged, let someone else be disparaged along with me." Misery loves company, but don't don't bring others into your misery. Since I was cursed, let someone else be cursed along with me. No, that's not the way you should think. And Rabbi Tanhuma makes. A, a deeper point here. In, in, in other words, Rabbi Akiva says the following, and then Rabbi Tanhuma wants to add, if you do act like that, imasita ken, know that it, it, that you are that know who it is that you are disgracing. In the likeness of God did God make him. So, okay, so why do you need to love your neighbor as yourself? because your neighbor is made in the image of God. And if you don't love your neighbor, you're disgracing God. Okay, that's Rabbi Tanchuma's uh, spin on it. But let's just like stop here and consider these, these big central principles, these tenets that the rabbis are, are, are suggesting. And Rabbi Akiva always kind of wins that he's the most celebrated. So, so let's start there. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is the central principle of the Torah. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound right? And it, 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 why, why would someone else be saying, no, 
it's this is the book of the generations of humanity. What is it that they're trying to do here? What are they trying to to get get us to understand in suggesting all these central principles? Okay, let's start with Richard. Well, even though love your neighbor as yourself sounds like there's nothing to quibble with, it requires you to define who your neighbor is, as opposed to being all descended from Adam. There is no differentiation. You love everybody because we're all telemelokim. Okay, good. So R Richard identifies what really is 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 a is a kind of a, a principle underlying all of these various tenets. There, that is. <laughs> Um, the idea that we are made in the image of God, that's Rabbi Tanchuma says, that's what underlies the, the notion that I should treat everybody the way I would want to be treated. And in a sense, Rabbi Tanchuma is therefore saying, really the central principle, it, it, it's funny that he adds it as an explanation to Rabbi Akiva's position that you shall love your neighbors yourself. Really, it seems like he is putting forth a different um, a different um, verse as the ultimate verse. And the verse is that we were made in the, in the image of God. And if that is true, then the truth is Ben Azai's position uh, is not so far off. This is the book of the legacy or the generations of Adam. Um, and that, that line here, let's see if we can, let's see if we can find it. Is um, let's see, to see if I can put that on screen for us. It's in Genesis chapter five. Ah, here it is. So you'll see Richard's really onto something here because, in fact, though it was just quoted as Zesefer Adam, this is the the book of the generations of humanity. In fact, if we go and we look at that line. We find it says, this is the record of Adam's line. That's toldot is a funny word, so it's always like unclear how to translate it. But this is the record of Adam's line is when God created humankind, um, Adam bit In the um the the Adam, the human, was made in the likeness of God. There it is. Elohim, the image, the likeness. So, you know, uh, in a way, they're all talking about the same thing. And maybe actually it's not such a debate. It's just how do we express this central principle? What is the central principle of the Torah? That we were created in the image of God and that that grants us, you know, in the language of Levinas, infinite worth. Okay. Now we, like, that I understand in, and... Now I could now we could begin the game and say, what do you think? Is that the central principle of the Torah? Um, so let's 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 hear a few other responses to this idea that maybe it's love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it's this is the book of the of the legacy as a man, or maybe it's the verse itself that says that we were created in God's image. Leah, what do you think? I'm with Ben Azai, but a little different take on it. Okay. We are the descendants of Adam, who, along with Chava, made a big mistake. We had one commandment, which was don't eat from that tree. The serpent, a concentrate, let's call him a tube of evil, mm. got Adam and Eve to taste of the fruit, and therefore evil is now dispersed 
no longer concentrated. It is dispersed within our bodies as descendants of Adam. So we need a guidebook. We need a lot more commandments than just one. So we get the Torah to keep us from evil, to balance the Yetzar Hara so that we can we can wrest the power away from the Yetzar Hara and go towards the image of God. We need a guidebook. Maybe we do need an Ikea manual. That's the Torah. Okay. Okay. Well, now that's interesting. So first of all, um, uh, like really important to notice the logic that Leah is suggesting here, which is that, well, let me actually do it in the opposite order. Let me take Leah's point for first, which is, it's sort of an important, but kind of devastating one, which is that it's all nice and beautiful to say that we're created in, in the image of God. But we also have to remember that we we are Adam. We are Adam and Chava. We are the, we are the descendants of these first people who failed, <laughs> who um, went astray, who could not figure out how to live, whose story ends in um, in in tragedy and in sin and in curse. And so we're that too. Okay. And then Leah's, um, Leah says, if the verse is reminding us of that, it, it, it and, and Leah's picks uh, along with Ben-Azai, this is the book of Adam's legacy. In other words, Adam has disgraced something and there's a legacy that we inherit and this book will teach you how to deal with that. This is the book of coping with the legacy of Adam. I like that just as a, that's a beautiful interpretation, just as a as an explanation of the verse. Leah's given us a really nice reading there. This is the book of dealing with the legacy of Adam and Chava, because we now have to figure out how to live. And that and the Torah is going to show us that. I love that reading. Okay, Noah. Yeah, I, I can't really pick one because they're all, different tenants giving a different message of how we need to understand and bring into the practice the Torah. Each one has great moral messages, but there's so many verses in the Torah that says, this is the Torah of X, Y, and Z, and this is the book of Adam. But I just really like Azienu as the ultimate message of the Torah, which isn't even picked here as Moses's final message to the people, which has to be taken in, into account. But for some reason, these rabbis pick these specific verses. Okay, good. So, so the, I want to, I want to do some of this. It's, it's, you can't discuss the, this, this, this debate, this Midrash without doing a little speculation of your own, right? And uh, Noah's got some other suggestions for um, what the the klal gadol, the central principle, the tenet uh, uh, that is uh, central in the Torah. What what what? Um, something from Hazinu, from Moshe's great farewell speech. Any others? I, I'm like, I want to I want to invite debate. Like, what? How could it possibly be that this is the greatest principle in the Torah? Aren't there others? I can think of a couple of others. You know, here, here's one. I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Give me a break. That's like, that's a no brainer, right? Isn't that, that's the first commandment. First thing God chose to show us. So what, what, what is, what is the, what are these rabbis so 
um, focused on when we've already started to see that part of what they're 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 zeroing in on is the 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 atomness of us all and the for good and for bad the hum the the hum humanness of us all but also the divineness of us all. But let's hear from Stan. Uh, Stan find... Stan in Arizona, right? I'm right here. Yeah, uh, I find I, I, had a, I had a, the pleasure of learning with Stan in Arizona, so it's nice to nice to see, see you again. Uh, I find this to be more aspirational than anything else. I think a more realistic uh, statement is do not do, a, to, do to others as you would not have them do unto you. And uh, I, I find uh, my grandfather taught me many, many years ago. He told me, he said, every word of the Torah is important. Every single word is important. And how can you find the most important? I don't know how you would do that. I think your statement, Rabbi, about the, I'm the Lord of God, remember the Shabbat. There, there's so many things. This is not one of the top 10 commandments even. So, uh, and also I, I saw somebody else had entered in and said, uh, we don't, you first have to love yourself. That's a real big too. So uh, I'm troubled by it and um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going for it. Good. Okay. We have a, we have a we have a, a no vote on the whole on the whole idea of there being a central principle. It is it contradicts um, even some of our theological um, presumptions that every word of the Torah is sacred. That we wouldn't have a whole book if we could do it in one line, um, and. Every every verse in the Torah is as sacred as every other. Maimonides famous, famously says this, this. There's no difference between hero Israel. Oh, there's another good one, right? Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Put that, give me that one, right? But there's no difference between that and Vitimna um, Haita Pilegesh um, Eliphaz. Uh, I forget exactly how it goes, but the Timna was the concubine of Eliphaz. That's like, seems like a... A, a random line about a sort of a a person of low status, you know, just a random in the in the, and it's talking about a concubine. No, Maimonides says that's just as important as every other line in the Torah. So Stan is is wondering what what you know, like why are we trying to um, shave the Torah down to one central principle? That's that's just not true. And if it were to be one central principle, why would it be? This one, this is an ethic of our, you know, empathetic uh, um, capacity, uh, our humanity that taps us into other. Okay, that's some good stuff. How about some, there's some other stuff in the Torah, right? Like, what about the Lord our God is one? That's that's another principle. We haven't even mentioned that yet. So, okay, uh, good. Uh, so Stan's, Stan's not having it. And uh, and and I, I invite you to... To, to join him in, in, in his opposition, if you're so inclined. Robin, what do you think? I, I'm with Stan in that I do think it's aspirational. I also think there's so many times in Torah when God really is bad. God does bad things and our leaders do bad things. And so wouldn't it be ideal to be reminded that we have to care for each other and we have to care for ourselves? And we, because we are, uh, made in God's image, so we want to get the best qualities of God, not the worst qualities. And and also, is is neighbor the same as stranger, or is that a different word? I don't know myself. But if it if it's the same or related, then there's that connection of the stranger and how important 
yeah. how many times the word stranger is mentioned and how important that is in our you know in our ethic and didn't didn't hillel also say the same wasn't hillel on the same bandwagon all the do not love your neighbor as yourself all the rest is commentary there you go yeah that's right what what's hateful to you you should not do to another all the rest is commentary that phrasing of hillel's is sort of what we're what we're dealing with, the idea that everything else could just be commentary on one principle. I mean, it's sort of a strange notion, though there's plenty of rabbinic attempts to do this. Could the Torah be boiled down to 10 principles, five principles, three principles, one principle? Okay, and Robin again wonders, where is God in all of this? It seems clear that the emphasis is on Lerecha, your neighbor, your your fellow, your interpersonal, the person you're in, in. We have this idea in our tradition of the side of our obligations that are um, bain adam lechavero, that are between human beings. That seems like, yeah, that's important. This religion's really concerned with it. But what about bain adam lemakom, between uh, uh, human beings and God? Th this, If this is the central principle of the Torah, then why do I have to keep kosher? That's not That's not helpful to my good relationships with others. Where, where is where is God in all of this? Okay, all right. Um, let's take one more comment from Emily and then we'll push forward a little bit. My feeling is that the, uh, you know, the Lord your God is one is not as central as love your neighbor as yourself because you don't need God to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, you don't need God to follow any of the commandments. It's about behavior and ethics and how to live as human beings. Mm -hmm. um, but you can love God and hate everyone else. And that is, I don't think that's the point of the Torah. Hmm. So I, I think the, I think Hillel is, is right. Okay. So that's a strong statement, right? Like here I'm saying almost rhetorically, well, you know, come on, what about God? You know, this whole other side of the religion. And Emily says, yeah, okay. So, you know, the religion's about God. Obviously the religion's about God. That's what religion is about. And sh sure, like we're gonna have obligations to God. But the the essence, the, the idea here is that our relationship with God will inform our conduct in the world. That's the, maybe that is the great, um, insight of 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 the Torah that there's some there's this book which comes from God is here to tell us how to treat each other that's God's concern and that God, it being God's concern makes it the central principle so yes we will worship God but what will go, how will we worship God by not hurting each other and in that sense it really does become the central principle okay so that's great Emily um, takes really seriously this idea that maybe. Rabbi Akiva and others are pushing us towards not a humanistic, because it's not like God's not in the picture, but a um, a, a, a worldly um, human society focused um, um, thrust to the Torah's messaging. Great. Okay. Um, however, <laughs> uh, the debate continues, and um, it go we we just saw uh, Ben Azai and Rabbi Akiva very um, early. Uh, uh, scholars um, debating whether it's this this book is the descendants of of Zesefer uh, Toldot Adam or whether it's Ve'ahavta Lerecha Kamocha, you shall love the your neighbor as yourself. But there is another record of this debate, 
and I'm always like a little titillated when I when I teach it because there's um, I'm excited to share it because there's there's something odd about this version. Well, there are many odd things about this version actually. Um, one is that it's not clear where to find it. <laughs> um, it appears in the introduction to a compendium of the Talmud called Ein Yaakov. Um, Ein Yaakov is a book that takes all of the narrative sections of the Talmud. So the fun stuff, the storytelling, and leaves out all the law, right? There are compendiums of the Talmud that take out all of the narrative and just, just focus on law. The Rift does that. But the Ein Yaakov is the opposite. All, all the stories of the Talmud, um, for those who like stories, and just skipping the legal sections. Okay, so that's interesting. Now, the Ein Yaakov, however, um, which became, it became a very classic uh, work of study, you know, be like a way of keeping people who weren't so Talmudically literate, keeping them entertained as they'd, they'd read the good stuff. Um, the Ein Yaakov has an introduction. And in the introduction, he mentions a Midrash, but nobody knows where it is. <laughs> nobody knows exactly where to find it. So you start to see people quoting this Midrash, but it, there's no, there's no, it's not in the Talmud. It's not in the Midrash. It's there's no record of where it is except in the introduction to this other compendium. So, and likely there is some Midrash out there that, that he saw, but um, we've lost it. Um, but anyway, that's the first strange thing about this, this, this other record of the debate. The other strange thing you'll see as we move forward, because as the debate uh, uh, carries on, it becomes stranger and stranger. Okay, so let's take a look here. You will see the same positions that we just saw repeated. That is, you'll see Rabbi Akiva's and Rabbi, um, uh, who was it? Ben, uh, ben, uh, ben Azai, um, uh, Ben Azai's uh, debate, we'll see now in, in the name of, of uh, two other um, uh, scholars, but then we will see some more opinions. So um, I said, I, I this is hard to find. So where where did I find it? So I found this, a record of this debate in the um, writings of the Maharal of Prague. The Maharal of Prague is writing about the principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. And he cites this Midrash and he says, and you'll, you'll soon see, he says, this is found in only in the introduction of the Ein Yaakov. So let's let's take a look here. That was like a is a that was a long introduction to uh to one text, but it's just uh it's not often that you get a mysterious midrash that everybody knows but nobody knows where it comes from. So um so let's take a look here at uh, the Maharal on um um on this on he's discussing. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And what he says is you will find in the collection Ein Yaakov. I'm just telling you about. You will find Bechibur Ein Yaakov Bahagdamat Akotev in the introduction. Shematzachi Bechibur Midrash Echad. That he says he found in his, in his collection uh, a certain Midrash, another Midrash. A certain, I'm, I said another version, but all he says is a certain Midrash, but it's another version of this Midrash, which... Uh, which we don't, we don't, like I said, we don't know where it, where it comes from. But here it is. You, it'll look familiar to you. Now, Benzoma, Benzoma. Um, Benzoma was also a very early teacher. 
And, um, and he says that we have found the greatest verse. Matsinu pasuk kolel yoter, the greatest, again, this language of all-encompassing principle, kolel yoter. Vehushma Yisrael, and it is, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Oh, oh, there it is. That's a good one, right? That's, God is one. Finally, we're mentioning some, some other um, significant verses. But Benana says, and here he's he's the one that's channeling Rabbi Akiva. Benana says, Omer Matsinu Pasuk Kolel Yoter. We found an even greater verse, an even more uh, central or all encompassing verse. And it is, It is love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So now we've really got a debate love your neighbor as yourself or God is one. Now, we already did some of this work. Could we synthesize them as Emily was just doing? Or, or do they stand in opposition? Is Ben uh, uh, um, um, uh, Zoma now saying, oh, I want to, ent to enter a new contestant into the, into the contest? And it's Shema Yisrael. Why have we not been talking about hero Israel? So... You know, I could do this for a while. We could do that. It's like I said, it's just fun. What do you think is more important, Shema Yisrael or love your neighbors yourself? That's a really good question, actually. But, but uh, suddenly uh, Shimon Ben Pazi comes in. Now, here's there's two very strange things are about to happen. One is Shimon Ben Pazi's opinion, and that's really what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about. Um, so here's Shimon Ben Pazi's op opinion. It should take you. I hope by a little bit of surprise, although not Yonatan, because Yonatan guessed this, guessed this early on. Um, he's seen it before. Shimon ben Pazi says, Matsinu pasu kolel yoter, we found an even greater verse, and it is, you shall offer the one lamb in the morning, and you shall offer the other lamb at twilight. Dun, dun, dun. That's like the ultimate anti-climax, right? <laughs> Hero, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. No, no, no. Love your neighbor as yours. They're the most quotable verses in all of the Torah. And then Shimon ben Pazi comes in and says, no, it's you shall offer one lamb in the morning and you shall offer the other lamb at twilight. And if you wondered why we have been talking about this all along, it's because that verse is the one in Parsha Tetzaveh. That's the verse in this week's Torah portion that at least one of our sages claimed was the most important, the all-encompassing, the klal gadol, the central tenet in our faith. And that is, you shall offer one lamb in the morning and you shall offer the other lamb at twilight. Okay, let's give a little context and then we're gonna, we're gonna try and see what we can make of this. The context here is, we have just described the building of the tabernacle. We have just described the adornment of the high priest. And now we're going to tell you what to do with all of this contraption. So now this is what you shall offer upon the altar, two yearling lambs each day regularly. Each day regularly meaning tamid. And in fact, this is the description of the tamid offering. What does tamid mean? Always, always tamid. So every single day, always, always. You will always offer one lamb in the morning and one lamb at twilight, meaning in the morning and in the afternoon. This is where our, our concept of having morning prayers and afternoon prayers come from. And since we're at, we've just read the most important verse in the entire Torah, let's go ahead and read what else is so important. 
There shall be a tenth of a measure of choice flour with a quarter of a heen of beaten oil mixed in and a libation of a quarter heen of wine for one lamb. And you shall offer the other lamb at twilight, repeating with it the meal offering of the morning with its libation, an offering by fire for a pleasing odor to Hashem, a regular burnt offering through the generations at the entrance of the tent of meaning before Hashem. For there I will meet with you, and there I will speak with you, and there I will meet with the Israelites, and it shall be sanctified by my presence, and I will sanctify the tent of meeting and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. I will abide among the Israelites, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I am Hashem, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might abide among them. I, Hashem, their God. Okay, okay, there's some flourish here at the end, and God delivered us and all that, but these aren't the verses that, that Shimon ben Pazi said were the most important ones. This is the verse that Shimon ben Pazi said was the most important. You shall offer one lamb in the morning, and she'll offer the other lamb at twilight. So, let's just take a look at it one more time. Hero Israel, love your neighbor, or you shall offer one lamb in the morning and you shall offer one lamb at twilight. What do you think? What do you think? What's the most important line? <laughs> what's the most important line? Now, I, what I'm really asking here is what, what's this one doing in the list? What are, we, what are we talking about here? Come on, one lamb in the morning, one lamb in the evening with quarters and half heens of flour and like, give me a break. Is this, this, how could this be the most important line in the Torah? Okay. But it's a bit rhetorical. There are answers here. So let's let's turn to the to the first one who 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 grasped where we were headed, Yonatan. What what do you think is the answer? What what does what does this mean that we've got this this third weird verse here being suggested as the most important? Um, Bob, Bob Numeroff, good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Nice to see you. Uh, I'll ask you to unmute. Yeah, go for it. So. Um... Yeah, so I, I, I don't necessarily think that this is the most uh, critical um, verse, but but what does resonate uh, with me with this verse is, is the notion of uh, doing something in the morning. So after you wake up and doing something at twilight, uh, probably right before you're going to sleep. So this notion of your you're living your your whole day from beginning to end uh, in accordance with the laws of the Torah. Okay, good. I'm glad someone said that. I, I was I was hoping someone would would say something like this because I I, I think that that's also look. It's called the korban tamid, the 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 always offering, the everyday offering, and it, it's certainly this is this is certainly a verse that could be representing the position that what matters most is the everyday, regular, routine practice of service to God. Not the highlights, not the standing at Mount Sinai, not your favorite verse in the Torah. No, the one that actually maybe isn't so glamorous, but you do it every single day. And that's the essence of the Torah, is not that you're going to perform these majestic, noble acts, but that you're, you live your whole life in this extremely disciplined way. And there's something about the regularity, the routine. This is a classic Jewish voice. Uh, um, Yeshayo Leibovitz, I think, I, I think of when I think of this voice, that it's like not about the exaltation of the religious ecstasy. It's about the, the regular halachic, right? Like the observance to, to the law and the, and the, and the, 
the the almost like the the holy in the mundane that's the great insight of this religion right and that might be if you want to say that that maybe that's mad maybe this is the most the central principle in the torah um i'm going i see three hands up and i'm going to see if i can take them all but i want to just in case i i i lose this i want to give you one other piece of this the last piece of this midrash which is just so one of the coolest i i don't even know how to account for this one of the coolest moments in Midrash, though, again, I'm not sure where this Midrash exactly comes from, but we saw those three positions. We're not going to get a new position here, but we are going to get a a, a a vote in a, a, a vote in favor of one of these positions. And it's the vote comes in the voice of Rabbi Anonymous. <laughs> I kid you not. The word for anonymous in, in, in rabbinic Hebrew is plony, plony. Um, plony is just sort of like John Doe. So listen as Rabbi Plony comes in, which is very, very unusual. Ahmad Rabbi Plony, and you can see it's unusual because he stood up. Rabbi Anonymous stood up. Now, what does that even mean? Rabbi Anonymous stood up and said, we rule like Ben Pazi, this last opinion, as if there was some ruling that needed to be made, right? As if like, this is a question that had, had to be decided, has real halacha. But we rule like, like halacha ka Ben Pazi. The law is like Ben Pazi, dictive, and his justification, this is also weird, as it is written, as all like all that I display to you, the design of the tabernacle. Now what? Okay, so we've already spent some time puzzling over this, but this is also a puzzle. This is more tabernacle language. In fact, I'll give it to you. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in the, among them, exactly as I show you the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furnishings, so you shall make it. So now, what? That is the justification for this idea being the right of uh, idea. And Rabbi Anonymous says it. <laughs> now, I threw so much at you there in the last five minutes of class. I don't, I'm not sure I know what to do with it, but uh, I'm going to turn to, to our, to, uh, to the hands that we have up. If you've got, if you've got some understanding of what Rabbi Anonymous is doing here, I, I, I welcome your, I welcome your thoughts. Um, but let's hear from Noah, who's had his hand up for a while. Yeah, first on Rob Loney, who's taking the Vasuli Mikdash, that he's trying to find a way to make it so that we have something to hold on to that we can physically build. Uh, I don't really like that one. More often, I like Adam Ki Yakriv Mikem Korban Ladonai, that a person who's bringing a sacrifice to the Lord has to bring something from themselves that I think is essence of the religion. That we can't do it just we have something of ourselves to the table. Okay, I love this. Uh, first of all, it's cool to have a Noah making his point with a huge golden arrow in, in his uh, background. <laughs> so that's cool too. But um, Noah's still playing the game. He's still saying, mm, I'm not sure if this verse really expresses. If I wanted a verse that really um, expressed the I mean, this is just, it's so beautiful the way Noah's like verse would fit right into this. You know, he, he's got a verse that synthesizes a lot. Adam ki akriv mikem. So uh, uh, Adam bringing a sacrifice. Oh, like 
maybe there's a better verse. And I just love that work of like, well, once we're in the game of what is the ultimate verse, well, surely everybody's got to have an entry. Okay, let's hear from um, Hannah uh, Chosid. This going back to just before this um, new piece um, <clears throat> about regulation, the regulated life, the, a day that's focused on living in a regulated way. But the specific of offering a lamb doesn't say your choice of a meal offering or, a, you know, the different or kinds of offerings. What a lamb offering is, is your wealth, mm -hmm. your productivity, your accomplishment. And so to offer that daily and twice daily, you're the most, <laughs> you're, um, the most you could offer is a lamb, um, is to say your accomplishments are not your own, your achievements are not, don't belong to you, is a management of what in our modern world we would call ego, right? Mm -hmm. To remember every day when you wake up and go to sleep that, I mean, it's just an expansion of that our life is uh, to be dedicated to a higher way of, to God, a higher order, but specifically separating it from, I have to give up the fruits of my labor regularly because they're not mine. Okay, that's great. I mean, that's, we talk, we've talked about sacrifice, but we talked, you know, we've taken it seriously, but we've talked about it mostly in our favor, right? Sacrifice as the expiation of sin. What a relief that we have the expiation of sin. But Hannah is 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 pointing out the other the other major side of that coin, the 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 the, the in some ways most basic purpose of sacrifice, which is that you sacrifice something. You give something to God. You give of yourself. And maybe that's like the ultimate principle in, in the Torah is that we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to make this world not about us. We're willing to give over something to God, to another person. But the idea that we're actually being asked to every single day, not just perform a routinized action, right? We consider that me message, but also to perform a real act of, of giving up every single day to give up something. That's a powerful orientation. And once we begin to be able to give up our our possessions, our prized possessions, then we enter into a life of service. And that might be the ultimate principle in the Torah. Now, we're going to have to end, and I'm sorry to Diana won't be able to, to reach, but um, this is like, you can see that the, 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 this, this game actually forces us to do some important work, which is to think, what is this all about? And while I am ultimately probably with Stan um, here and 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 Yonatan that you know it's hard to pick one th that part of the brilliance of this tradition is that there are 613 commandments and there are five books and there are many um um klalim, great um great principles in the Torah um it does show you how um when we really stop and think about it not only can all of the the sections of the Torah be interesting to read but um, but all every verse in the Torah offers the possibility for thinking about the most important things. And um, we have the opportunity here um, with this debate, but you know, even here in Parsha Titzabe, to think about you know, a line that seems so detail-oriented, so um, nitty-gritty, 
how it might be pointing us to some essential principle, some deep, important, maybe all-encompassing principle. And I would suggest that maybe we should um, bring that eye, now that we've trained it a little bit, to all of our reading of the Torah, to every verse that we come across in the Torah. How might this be the most important principle? What might this, what essential thing might this um, be teaching me that if I don't stop and pay attention, I'll just breeze by thinking of it as, as just another detail. So thanks everybody for great work. Uh, wishing you a beautiful uh, rest of your week and a Shabbat Shalom.